Hi, and welcome to DeLorean Talk. Thanks for joining. This is episode number five. And today we've got Bob Brandis, Ryan Brandis, and Andy Strano. Uh, two people from Las Vegas and one from back east, I think, Illinois. Is that right, Ryan? That's that's about right. Great. Well, thanks for uh, joining the show. As most people uh, have probably heard a couple of the other episodes before we've gotten here, but this is a new show. I'm a new owner and thought this would be a good way to learn more about the DeLorean and learn more about the community. I've been following DeLoreans for 25 plus years, but it's a big difference when you actually own one. So this is this is my way to learn from the old timers and and get connected to some some other fun people. So uh, thanks again for all you guys joining. First question is, for each of you, uh, how long have you had your DeLorean and what made you buy one? Bob? Well, that's that's a long question, a long answer, I should say. Uh, the first DeLorean I bought uh, was in 1986, uh, and I bought it because I originally wanted a Mercedes Gullwing 300 SL <laughs> until I actually got into one and talked to the owner's wife and found out she absolutely hated the car because the windows didn't work and there was no air conditioning. And I go, well, that's not going to work for me, so uh, I decided to buy a DeLorean. Wow. Uh, and uh, I did and have been very, very happy. And then, of course, one was never enough. <laughs> How many of you bought over the years? Uh, we currently have four DeLoreans now. Wow. I, I, there's one we there's one we bought uh, and parted out, so I'd say we've owned four and a half DeLoreans. Got it. <laughs> yeah. But, it, it was a, uh, a a car that was uh, part of an arson, and the owner tried to get a hundred thousand dollars worth of insurance and went to jail over it. <laughs> so the, the car was pretty well torched, except for the front end uh, and, and the frame. Uh, we ended up uh, giving that to Rich Wentisil, and it became part of the DeLorean limo. Nice. And the fiberglass front end went to another DeLorean for to repair. Uh, his wrecked front end. So it uh, it went to save two other DeLoreans. Nice. You know, it's funny you said you just said that about the front end, the fiberglass front end, because I don't know what I was thinking. I've seen the tubs at DMC California, and they're, you know, one big piece of fiberglass. But I just last night saw DMC Northwest post a picture of repairing uh, a rear driver's side pontoon where they cut they cut the fiberglass and then fit a new piece of fiberglass onto there and it looked fantastic. Uh, I was shocked uh, how how good it came out. So I never even realized that you could chop up that fiberglass and put it back together and and uh, rebuild the the tub like that. Generally, yes. Um, fiberglass is easily repairable. Uh, there are some uh, multi-layer structural fiberglass parts that are more complicated to repair. But in general, most of the fiberglass is fairly easy to replace if it gets damaged. Nice. Assuming you know what you're doing, because <laughs> I don't. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Andy, what about you? Uh, not, not to skip over you, Ryan, I'm assuming that your your dad kind of got you into the DeLoreans. Have you bought your yeah. own, or are you running off your dad's right now? Well, I grew up with DeLoreans in the garage, and uh, I did enough work for the family business to earn uh, one of them, which I nice. turned into a crazy movie theater with a great stereo. and. Um, nice. So that that's, that was definitely a fun project, but generally, you know, I'd like to say that that DeLoreans really interested me at a, from a young age. They they turn more heads than a Lamborghini at a tenth the price. <laughs> um, yep. And then as I started to really start uh, learning more about electronics, I started you know hacking the the, the, the brain box that uh, has all the different relays in it and, and learning electrical that way and and ended up uh, making some interesting modifications. So, And then you start learning about that, and you're like, wow, the you know, DeLoreans are kind of like the Linux of automobiles. <laughs> They're kind of an open-source thing. You know, here's the handbook. Uh, you could, you know, pay someone to work on it, but more than likely you're going you're gonna to figure it out yourself. Yeah, it's not like some of the new cars where if you don't, if you don't have all the software and hardware cables to go into it, you're never going to get them, do anything with them. Is the, the DeLorean is right there at the edge of before all the new technology started coming out in the 80s. Yeah, exactly right. 
It, it is fuel injected. Uh, it's not one of the most complicated systems, though it is fairly complex. Sure. And Injet. the other set of electronics uh, was fairly well designed with relays to minimize the amperage draw on, on the primary switching mechanisms. So it's it's a fair, fairly standard, up-to-date thing, though, because of its design, and particularly the fiberglass body. It is easy to repair and fix because the stuff doesn't rot together and corrode. Yeah. So, Andy, what about you? When did you buy your first DeLorean, and what, what made you want to get one? Um, well, it probably started when I was 10-ish, when I first saw the Back to the Future movies. Um, and I always said I will own a DeLorean someday. You know, it was kind of the the scene. You know, someday, Jennifer, someday. Um, I moved out to Vegas, uh, 2004, 2005, I believe, and I bought my first DeLorean in 2006. Uh, I met. I just I went on the internet and looked. Um, there was a local club actually in town that they would tinker on their cars. Uh, I emailed them up and said, "Hey guys, I'm, I really love these cars. Do you mind if I um, just kind of follow you around?" You know, and sure. So they they let me uh, come over their place on Saturdays. You know, and they would they would just kind of tinker and, and do all this kind of stuff. And you know, I was I was still an outcast. I wasn't an owner yet. Yeah. Um, and then one kind of came up on I think it was Craigslist. Uh, so I got that one back in 2006, and this was before I. Um, I wasn't married yet or anything like that, so I just bought a DeLorean, you know, and young and dumb and broke and poor. So uh, I only owned it for about a year because I'll never forget it was about – it was December, maybe January. I was showing the car off to a friend of mine, and I went to open the the car door open, you know, and it was cold out, and the the door handle came off in my hand. (laughs) And after all the so many other things that I had to pour, you know, money into the car, I could not afford it. I was just, you know, going yeah. deeper and deeper in debt with credit cards. So it was like, you know what, I need to sell this thing. Yeah. So I sold it. Uh, a few years later, I got married. Uh, I got the master's degree. I bought the house. I got all that adult stuff out of the way. And then 2012, so it would have been about four years ago, uh, that's when I bought my current DeLorean that I have now. Nice. Which um, was actually owned by the first guy that I contacted back in that old DeLorean club. Nice. So it was kind of neat. The first DeLorean I ever actually sat in is the one that is in my garage now. Nice. So I always like to tell people that story. But, uh, yeah, so the one I have now is uh, I've had it about four years now, and it is my little baby besides my son. (laughs) (laughs) It's my, my steel box baby, I guess you can say. And I, w- I was like you a little bit when I uh, lived in – I moved to Seattle in 94, and I think around 96, I got involved with the Pacific Northwest DeLorean Club, went to a couple of meetups and tech days, and there was a lot of people up there, but I could not afford one, and it was more just I wanted to be around the cars. And mm-hmm. the, o- the only person that I had any connection with was Arnie Brandon, who was who was the president at the time? He was president for a long time. He was actually the first person that I had on DeLorean Talk because over the years he's the one that whenever I I did see a car and I thought oh maybe this is the one I'd call him up, ask some questions, get the the real in depth answers. Yes, you need you need that too because I mean I have a, lot, a couple people that I know that you know are interested in it and stuff, and I always tell them if you find something you like. Don't just buy it. You know, yeah. get someone who owns one to at least look at some pictures, or maybe even call the the current owner and just kind of ask questions that you, as you know, someone who doesn't know yeah. all the little ins and outs, it's yep. just a good good idea because there's a lot of scary DeLoreans out there. Yeah. Well, and and I don't know if you guys, I didn't send it to you, but I ha- I'm a web geek, a software guy, so DMC10515.com is my website, and I have. Literally, the, the the first post, the origin story, is minute-by-minute breakdown of seeing it online, going to see it, <laughs> calling it. And, yeah, I, was, I bought it uh, pretty pretty quickly. As soon as I saw it in the garage, the price, the condition, um, I said, yeah, I'll take it. You know, I looked at all the, the frame and the interior and the engine and asked the right questions and then just said, I'll take it. So I'm with you. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so a big reason why I asked you guys on is because of the DeLorean weekend coming up in Las Vegas, and the three of you are the organizers, so I wanted to kind of get the details and share with other people who are listening to the show about uh, what it is and how long it's been going and uh, what the details are. Sure. So we've been doing DeLorean Weekend now uh, for three years. Uh, we do it every year in, in Vegas, and you can check it out at DeLoreanWeekend.com. Um, it's a family-style event. But let me tell you a little bit about the history of DeLorean Weekend and how this all started. Is um, we uh, Bob, my, Bob and Gail moved to Vegas about five years ago, and, and we're trying to meet up with other friends and other car clubs. And there were a handful of DeLorean people that we were able to meet, but they, no, no one really wanted to organize and, and get together for something big. So at that time, we were going to a lot of the DeLorean car shows that were being run by Ken Koslick and his team. And and those were a lot of fun and, and definitely very enjoyable, but uh, you had to get a hotel and pay a lot of registration fees, and, and uh, they're not everybody could afford to to go to that kind of thing and when we when we met a lot of the las vegas owners they were owners that were able to have enough money to keep their car on the road but they didn't have a lot of money for registration fees and and that kind of thing so we said well if we want to get all these people together and have uh, a a local las vegas event we're going to have to do it uh on a shoestring budget and what can we get done well we can we can certainly have the event uh, at our place because we have a, a nice patio and a backyard that can fit a bunch of cars. Um, and we just started kind of building different events we could do in Vegas, and we ended up putting on a, a great show. I saw I saw some pictures on the website, and it looks like everybody is literally sitting on your patio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, they are. But uh, so you know, we also have a, a place in in Chicago, and and we're active members of the Chicago DeLorean Club. So we started. We have a barbecue at our house in Chicago every year, and the DeLorean people came to that and said, "Hey, what's this thing about DeLorean Weekend? Can we come to that?" I said, "Well, if you if you want, <laughs> it, it is Vegas. I imagine it's not hard to get people to go to Vegas." <laughs> exactly. And, and then our friends in New York and our friends in California, "Hey, can we come to DeLorean Weekend? Can we come to DeLorean Weekend? Okay, fine. We'll set up a, a registration system and." And uh, promote it and, and develop a, a brand, and, and, and that's what we've done. When was that first one? The first one was October 2nd or 3rd, three or, three or four years ago, probably three this years will, ago. Sounds this about will right. be our fourth year, I think. And 2013. Been... Yeah, 2013 was our first year. Got it. 14, yeah. 15, 16. So, or maybe this is our third. I don't know. When you have a time machine, you just get confused with time. <laughs> so so what makes the De- De- DeLorean Weekend unique is we don't charge any registration fees. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website and sign up, and then we'll tell you where you have to be. Uh, it's kind of an a la carte series of events. So rather than there being a host hotel, we're just saying, hey, we're all going to meet here uh, at this time, and then we're going to meet at this location at this time, and some of the events are are private in that they're at our house, and some of the events are are in public places. Uh, and you know, here's the itinerary, here's the schedule, here are some PDFs of some maps that show you how to get from point A to point B to point C. And everyone, bring your two-way radios or texting, and we'll all keep in touch, and we'll have a little uh, trail of DeLoreans running all over Vegas. Nice. So. <laughs> well, and I, and I did register once I saw it. I I don't think I really knew about it until I saw something on Facebook. You had posted on Facebook and went and looked at the site and looked at the pictures. Uh-huh. And uh, I had told Andy an email that I have – oh, that's what it was. I, I had uh, talked to Andy about RentDeLorean.com, and he uh-huh. said, are you coming to DeLorean Weekend? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. So I went and looked at the site and uh, checked it out and went, wow, this looks like fun. And, hey, for me – same thing. I was glad that it wasn't – I mean, uh, I just went to DCS, and that was not – it really was not terribly expensive, but it was traveling to uh, to Springfield and hotel room and all everything that goes with it. For me, and I think most people in Southern California and probably Arizona, getting to Vegas, not that big of a deal in general. Uh, I've never taken my Delor- – I've only had the DeLorean for eight months, so I've not taken it on that long of a road trip, but it is just Vegas, and – there are enough people between here and there, and there's AAA if something happens. So uh, I feel confident. I wouldn't drive it to in- Illinois, <laughs> but um, yeah, Vegas is totally doable. So I'm excited that it's close by. 
Well, as someone who's been in the DeLorean community for a long time, even though I'm one of the younger folks, I remember when DeLoreans were owned mostly by my father's generation. And they weren't really big Back to the Future fans. They were more remembering how DeLoreans had a history similar to Bricklands and, and, and appreciating that side of things. And what's happened now is all these younger owners are taking over who are, are really looking at the car as more of a Back to the Future car than this icon from the 80s built by John DeLorean. Um, so it's an interesting uh, dichotomy. I mean, can you imagine if, you know, if uh, Clark Kent, uh, you had a, a convention of everybody that liked to dress up like Clark Kent and then you got upset when someone dressed up like Superman, you know? <laughs> It's good. Car is a superhero now, so <laughs> well, that's and what you're going to get. <laughs> I am a huge Back to the Future nerd as well. I, half the stuff in my apartment is Back to the Future and Time Machine and everything. But I love the look of the car the way it is. I've told several people if I found a giant bag of money, I'd go buy a second DeLorean and do a Time Machine conversion. But otherwise, hmm. I'm not even changing the stereo in mine. I'm putting in a different Bluetooth device, but. I want the. I love the look of the car as it is, even though I'm a huge Back to the Future geek. So is it? Yeah, is the, the, it, the DeLorean ahead. design is quite unique, uh, particularly from its use of stainless steel and a very very low slung design. Uh, his Italian uh, heritage in selecting Giorgio Desiro design it was very very wise, uh, and. Uh, some people really don't know that the the history of the DeLorean body style actually goes back to uh, the early 70s. Um, in 1972, um, there were two prototypes built, uh, very, very similar in look of uh, the DeLorean. Uh, they were sold to people in California. One was totaled. The other one, who knows where it is, uh, but the, the book that was published, I believe, uh, about a year and a half ago uh, on the uh, history of the DeLorean has the pictures of those two, if you want to use the term DeLorean, prototypes that were built in the 70s mm-hmm. and the continuation of that uh, conceptual design uh, all the way in, into the 80s when when DeLorean was making it. And I, and I think part of the other attraction, particularly for us older generation, was the DeLorean reminded you of the Jetsons and a future car. <laughs> yeah. And the Gullwing Doors. I mean, Gullwing Doors, they're classic. You, there's nothing you can do that, that's any cooler than a Gullwing Door. So I, I think the Jetsons and what they, what they drove around in and DeLorean kind of hooked it up together with our generation. Yeah. And like I said, I'm I'm a fan of that design and the look and the feel, so uh, I'm with you. But now, Andy, did you convert your DeLorean to a time machine? Um, <clears throat> well, the story behind that is, you know, when you see a converted DeLorean time machine, a lot of the ones that are out there that you can spend, you know, $50,000, um, someone got a drill and started drilling holes all <laughs> over the car. Yeah. And I can't do that. You know, I just... <laughs> I've always wanted a time machine. I love, you know, like you said, I love Back to the Future. But uh, a friend of mine and I came together actually last year. And, well, slowly I started, you know, I, I made up some props myself. And, you know, I, when I've done shows, you know, car shows and stuff, um, I would put my little props on it to make it look a little time machine-y. I like to call it that way. But um, <laughs> I met a man that he does um, – he, he's a fabricator, like a professional fabricator, and he, and him and I got together, and we spent just about every weekend for almost two months, maybe I don't know what it was, um, building this time machine to make the outside of the car to make it look like the Back to the Future car, but without drilling holes. So right. we had to really figure out how to keep the stuff on the car without, you know, you can't exactly drive down the highway and have pieces falling off <laughs> so um we have figured out how to you know find holes that are already there um it's really cool i mean in fact my louvers are still there if you see pictures and stuff a lot of people you know wow you, you kept the louvers there too and yep everything is there so if i ever would want to sell the delorean which will never ever happen in a million <laughs> years um but if i ever wanted to sell it you know and they wanted a full-on stock car 
mine is still stock. You know, there's no um, permanent holes. Like you said, my my dream would be to you know go out and buy a, a, a junky DeLorean or something and and do the full conversion. You know, yeah. something that can't repair that kind of thing. But but yeah, my car is it's a weird you know to no. call it converted. It's because like there are converted cars out there that are permanently yeah you know going to be a time machine. And it, actually, when you come out in Vegas, um, check out Bob's car as well, his time machine. And it's the same way. He didn't uh, drill holes. It's really really cool to see how some guys will engineer their cars just just using a little creativity because it's so easy to pick up a you know a drill and just start drilling holes. I mean you know you got the Swiss I call it the Swiss cheese DeLorean because you know I mean if you really do some research on how much some of these side panels cost and stuff yeah. and it's like guys these are dinosaurs I mean they're not making these parts as much as they, you yeah. can't just start drilling holes in this so yes mine is you know I like to call it the time machine um, but it's not uh, you know it's not permanent. There, in my at, heart, it's permanent. <laughs> at, at DCS, one of uh, there was a speaker there. They had a bunch of different speakers, and one of the speakers for t- both days talked about. And I can't remember the title, but it was like uh, non-destructive time machine conversions. Non-invasive, and, I bet. Non-invasive, sure. So, and yeah. I, I actually didn't go to that one. There was a lot of great people to go listen to there, but uh, a friend went to that one, and she totally loved it. But it's exactly what you're talking about, how to do all the things you want to do to make it look right, but you can strip it all down and back you're back to the stock DeLorean without any holes or damage to the car. Sure. It's just it, on, on a level of respect, too. I mean, yeah, a lot of people will do it because they have the money. Well, I don't have 50 grand sitting around where I could just, you know, cut holes and, and, and all yeah. that into my car. But I respect the car. It's, it's in- Ooh. Did Andy crash? Gone. Uh, hold on, you there? Hello. Yep, I'm here. Okay, Ryan and Bob, are you there? I'm here. Okay, Andy, you cut out totally, so it sounded like you crashed or went away. Oh, okay. There you go. How about now? Can you hear me yep. now? You're good. I don't. I don't hear Bob though. Is Bob still there? Uh, Bob. Bob, Bob hey, no. Okay. Uh, can you hear me now? Oh, yep. There he is. Yep. There we go. All right. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, so one of the things that, that after saw, seeing Tom Cedor's lecture on non-invasive uh, installations to your car, we were joking that, hey, there should be a book, and the book will each have a different chapter on the different mods that you need to make. So there will yeah. be a chapter on flux bands, and it would say the oh, full-out cool. solution, go buy it from one of these three people. The non-invasive solution can be built with this, this, and this, and either these are the sources or these are the instructions. Uh, and then... I think it'd be really cool to to break it out that way. Yeah. And then we kind of brought in the discussion, and we said, "All right, well, why isn't there a book out there saying here's how you convert your DeLorean to a time machine? Why yeah. isn't there a documented process?" And what it comes down to is there are probably about ten to fifteen shops in the country that will convert DeLoreans to time machines. There's a number in in California, there's one in Australia, there's one in Florida, mm-hmm. and do those people kind of hoard their techniques and methods? You know, where do you get that one really unobtainable <laughs> part that goes under Mr. Fusion? Well, right. I know the aircraft company to call to get it, and I'm certainly not <laughs> going to tell everybody else where to get right, it. Right, right. Um, so there is a little bit of that. Um, so one of the things that, that we work on is, is fostering cooperation and community in, in the DeLorean clubs. Yeah. So that, that's really important to us. That's how we roll. And, in fact, last year at, at DeLorean Weekend, uh, Andy and Brian Boudreau uh, gave a talk on, on BTTF props. Nice. Uh, and, and where they got their props and, and where you can get them. So it's very cool. I, had, I we, found Brian on Etsy and had, I had yep. a uh, – Oh yeah, he's on Etsy. I forgot. Well, it used to be. I don't know if he still is, but I had a Futaba for a couple of years and just never got around to doing the conversion. And it turned out that he was doing them, so I bought the yep. conversion from him. So I've got a beautiful, sure. uh, oh cool, Futaba yeah. RC from him. Yeah. We have always <coughs> shared how we built our time machine because ours was the first one that was built outside of Hollywood, and how we sourced different parts, how we uh, hand-built them, Uh, and for many, many years, people took pictures and 
and studied how that conversion was made. <coughs> um, and so it kind of, uh, you know, it, there's no question it broke the, the, the ground and, and yeah. uh, it, it got the permission from Universal to, to make DeLorean time machines as long as you don't ever call them the back of the future car. Because at, at the time, you were worried that, that what would happen with Batmobiles, where DC would sue the pants off of you, was yeah. what was going to happen if you built a time machine. Yeah. So, uh, Danny yeah. Botkin at DMC California has the perfect term. It's not a DeLorean time machine. It is a, uh, it is a tribute car. Because uh, it's hard, I think, for oh, anybody cool. you know, to call any, any movie car, movie vehicle, a tribute car. That's pretty hard to say that it's, you know, I'm not trying to make it. The movie car. I'm trying. This is a tribute because I'm a fan. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Well, it's it's early on. It was very complicated because back oh, yeah. in the early '80s, they were uh, taking Pontiac railroads <clears throat> and they were making them into uh, Batmobiles and Ferraris and uh, Lamborghini Countachs. A, a Fiero? Uh, and, oh yeah. That's the little and, tiny car, right? That's a two-seater. Oh yeah, but the the knockoffs were absolutely perfect. Wow! You could, if you stood next to a Pontiac Ferrari uh, or Fiero Ferrari, you couldn't tell it had the Ferrari emblems and everything. Wow! Um, other otherwise, when you opened the door and said, "Wait, this is not a Ferrari interior," <laughs> so uh, there was the company was in Florida uh, and they got sued. Uh, oh. By both, uh, I believe it was Ferrari and Lamborghini, and the case went to court, and the judge says, "Look, as long as is it's twenty percent different, it's yep. not the same. So if you had, you know, slightly different emblems, slightly different dimensions, or whatever, you could make a knockoff, and it wouldn't violate the copyright." Right. So we followed those legal decisions back in the early '80s. And and there's a few things on the car, like Mr. Fusion is spelled with two S's instead of one. <laughs> uh, but but the the point was, I was in communications with Universal's lawyers, uh, and they eventually gave us a letter in writing that says, as long as you don't call it the Back to the Future car and you call it a DeLorean time machine, then you can do all the knockoffs you want. Nice. So they didn't even care if it was a perfect knockoff. Match. Just don't as call it. As long as yeah. you don't call it. The Back to the Future car, right? And, and then, it, then it, it, it's a little crazier than that. Turns out that Universal's copyright of the of Back to the Future is not in the United States; it is in Canada. <laughs> Why that happened, I don't know. That's just the legal history of it. Wow. Uh, but you know, hey, you, know, you, you don't want to piss them off. You don't want them suing no. you. And, <laughs> and and now they license reproduction of Back to the Future stuff. And, yeah. And Stephen Clark is in constant contact with them. Nice. But, you know, back in the early 80s when everybody was afraid that something yeah. was going to happen, we knew the guy who was making the knockoff Batmobiles. Um, and Warner Brothers literally came and took the cars and took the dies and took everything. Yeah, I heard, I've read that. And, and yes. Uh, so that stuff back in the 80s, it was real. And you really were concerned that that would happen. So once we got it in writing, then you know that kind of opened the doors um, to people being able to do it. Nice. Well, I'm glad that it's happening more out there. Of course, I love seeing them. It's funny. Like most people, nobody, a lot of people have not even seen a DeLorean, let alone been in one. And now, as a short-time owner, I cannot imagine what it's like to drive one of the full conversion tribute cars where all that stuff is on the inside because it's it's spacious on the inside to a point but once you add all that other stuff it's like i, f- I feel like you're going to be inside of a matchbox well uh, so let, let, let's, let's talk about that so if you do a totally screen accurate car you cover up some of the air conditioning vents so that's even more substantially reduces your airflow yeah. if you do a screen accurate car you cover up the side marker lights so technically it's not a street legal vehicle um, so there are definitely modifications away from from screen accurate that you've got to do to make it a, a viable vehicle. Yeah. And and one of them is definitely dealing with cargo space. But having having driven uh, time machines, it is it goes from being an enjoyable drive to being really uncomfortable and almost not enjoyable for a number of reasons. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, yeah. One is is you have all of this this stuff on your on your right arm and and all this clutter and, and sharp metal edges everywhere, which is not fun. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is the way other people behave 
as as you're driving around. I think even people that have stock DeLoreans, hey, the, the, realize the car makes you five percent rock star. Yeah. Everybody's holding their hand, their hand out the window, t- trying to take pictures of you. Yep. So even if there's not a lot of traffic on the road, right in front of you, right to the side of you, you know, right behind you is going to be instant gridlock. Yeah. And people are not going to be paying attention. They're going to be trying to take pictures with their phone. Um, and you know, we've driven the time machine around, and we we hear on the opposite side of the intersection crash two cars crashed into each other they must have been looking at our car you know just on the other side of the intersection yeah. and, and they they smash into each other you know? <laughs> but they so, wish they had a time machine at that moment yeah so, so so that's my insight but i'm sure bob's got more and then andy's got more well uh, talking about time machines and or even just deloreans in general so andy um you started rentdelorean.com how long ago um, well, when I first got the car, I, I, I would always, you know, somebody wanted to have a birthday or a wedding or something like that. And then I would just kind of do that, you know, but, uh, I would, I think it was two years ago, we started, uh, rentdelorean.com, which basically the way it works is, uh, obviously I would rent out my car for Las Vegas, but let's say if someone in Oklahoma might, you know, stumble upon my website, Hey, we're having a wedding or, we're having a corporate event or something like that. Can we have your car? You know, well, they're not gonna uh, be able to afford to pay me to come that far with travel expenses, all that kind of stuff. So what I basically did was I just started reaching out to as many DeLorean owners, whether they're stock or time machines, um, as I could over basically over Facebook and and just word of mouth. Um, said you know, hey, would you like to be a part of this? Uh, you know, so and so contacted me that's in your state. They're looking for a car to come to their whatever event. You know, there's so many different events. 80s parties actually is becoming a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I'll send the, the information over to the, the owner and then they, you know, if they, uh, tell them their price or, you know, their stipulations, uh, you know, well, there better be stanchions or, you know, can people get in the car? Can people get out? All that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. they, they, the owner takes care of that. Um, funny story, a while ago, you know, every once in a while I'll get an email that says, um, you know, can we rent the car to drive uh, up the strip or, or something like that, you know. And I'll, I'll never forget what Bob told me a while ago. You know, he said, well, when, when you get those kind of requests, you just simply say, sure, you know, it, the cost is $50,000 and <laughs> – you get to keep the car when you're done. <laughs> so basically, you know. Years ago, I heard some original Disney Imagineers talk, and one of the questions was, what was it like to work with Walt? And I don't remember which one said it, but they said, well, we learned that you never told Walt Disney no. You always said yes if. So it sounds like that's what Bob is telling you, basically, is absolutely you could rent the car to drive it. If you're willing to pay an outrageous amount of money, then great. Sure. And, hey, I'd be sure. – I'd be willing to say, sure, I'll rent the car. You can take it for the whole day, but it's twenty thousand a day. <laughs> you know, you're not driving my car uh, up the strip or something like that, because we've all rented a car, you know, from Enterprise or whatever. No one ever ever respects a rental. You know, oh, it's just a rental. <laughs> Let's take it up to ninety miles an hour and see if it really does go back. Half the time, I'll get um, inquiries. Hey, can I rent the car? Blah blah blah. Or can I drive it? And I'll tell them a little bit about the car itself. Well, you do realize it's a stick. Well, uh, anyway, mine's a stick. Um, there are automatic DeLoreans out there, but mine's a manual. So half the time, yeah. oh, well, I can't drive it. So you're, you, the ball was already in your court. And that's when I just you know, use a little negotiating skills and say, listen, I'll show up to your event. You are going to be a rock star because of this car. You yeah. know, I'll let you ride in the car and you can get out and impress your friends. And, and that's what most people love doing. You know, they love that experience of sitting inside a DeLorean. Yeah. It just, it brings them back to a time, especially if they are back to the future fans. I mean, most people that are looking for these cars are in their thirties, forties, fifties, you know, and it brings them back to a, a time in their life when they were younger. You know, and it, oh, that reminds me of my dad and I first saw that co- that movie when we when I was little, and and that's what's really cool about when you meet these people that are just looking to have a car come to their whatever their birthday or something. And yeah, that's what I really really enjoy. I'm 
a big people person, and I, of course, love the car. I am not somebody that needs attention or to be somebody important. That kind of happens automatically when you're driving the car. But I love when I am coming out, the car is parked in a parking lot, I come out and people are taking pictures. <laughs> I love saying, hey, do you want to get a picture in it? I mean, I, I yes. as long as there's not 50 <laughs> people standing around because I don't want to be there forever, if it's a couple people, sure. kids especially, I absolutely always say, get in. you got to get a picture because how often do you get a picture in a DeLorean? Yes, that's, that was actually the number one selling point that I had to give my wife when I first tried to um, convince her that buying a DeLorean is a good idea. <laughs> um, and I told her that you know the status of our life is going to go up a few notches because <laughs> of owning this thing. And she sees that because we've driven around, and I just took her uh, for a ride a while ago, and she said, boy, I forgot how much attention this car gets. I yeah. said, see? It's just, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And it's funny because if you drive around, you know, later on, then, you know, you drive to work or whatever in your, your regular car, like, like you kind of forget, oh, I, I'm just a petty citizen now. You know, <laughs> nobody notices me in my little 2008 Nissan. But boy, you put that, you know, you drive around in that DeLorean and you are a rock star, you know, so. That happens to me. I have just a plain white Jetta and some days I'll, I'll have driven the DeLorean on one day and then the next day I'm, you know, driving my normal daily driver, the Jetta. You forget. I forget that I'm not in the DeLorean. I'm like, wow. I'm Why is no one noticing? Yeah, exactly. And I go, oh, wrong car. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm, I'm just a, I'm a regular today. <laughs> of course, I've also accidentally hit the turn signal trying to hit the horn. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, wrong car. Which nobody gets that unless you own a DeLorean. Mm -hmm. I, all the years yeah. that I followed the cars and was a big fan and studied and read and followed and listened, those just those little tiny things are fun, unique that nobody gets it. Mm -hmm. That's very fun. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is once you get a community of DeLorean people together, they share all of these you know insights with each other and. Yeah. Uh, that's what what was really important to us in getting getting the Las Vegas club started, and and we now have how many people, Andy? Probably about twenty. Yeah, uh, about rec recently active uh, 15, members. Twenty-ish. Yeah, it's it, it, sometimes the hardest thing that I've noticed about not just Vegas Delorean people, but all Delorean people is it's tough to get them out. Yeah. Unless the event is like our our most, I would say our most successful event we've had so far was. Back to the Future Day, October 21st, 2015. Nice. And um, I don't know if uh, Bob and uh, Ryan want to talk about our what we did last year and that we're going to hope to do again this year for the Sure. 31st. So October 21st, 2015 is kind of a day that will we'll live in infamy because uh, we were all excited and looking forward to that day. Uh, and it turns out there were lots of people uh, in Vegas that, that were already excited about it. What, what is – the significance of that day? I'm joking. I'm sure sorry. That, that, <laughs> oh, I, hey, not sorry. everybody knows. You're not joking, everybody knows. Right? Yes, uh, of course. Yeah, so, so that that was the day that that uh, Marty and Doc landed in 2015 uh, in Back to the Future Part Two. So as the day was approaching, we decided to, to try and organize a pretty cool event. And and the Plaza Hotel, which is right on Fremont Street here in Vegas, uh, was the backdrop that, that became Biff's, Pleasure Biff's Palace. Casino in Back to the Future Part 2. And we had a, a friend, a fellow DeLorean owner of ours, who uh, knew people at the Plaza and, and helped us coordinate nice. uh, a, a Back to the Future Day event with the, the plaza's uh, round driveway as a, as a showcase for, I think we had about eight or nine DeLoreans and uh, and the Doc Brown ELB truck and, and a Libyan van with a sunroof. So nice. we had uh, quite an event. And on that day, there were probably, Andy, back me up on this, were there, about, but we were there for about seven or eight hours. Do you think we saw over, over a thousand people come and go during oh, I'd say during we saw more period? than, I'd say we yeah. saw more than a thousand. The uh, official headcount was 2,500 people. It was the largest event uh, at the plaza that anybody can remember. And the plaza actually was a converted <laughs> train station back in the 60s. Yeah. So it's probably the largest event in the plaza's history. And to me, it was it was fascinating that the the plaza knew that they were the backdrop in the movie for, for a long time, and they had never capitalized <laughs> on this as something that they could do an event. And, and here it is, the day's coming up, and, and uh, we're going, hey, come on, guys, uh, let's do this. And, and 
they eventually bought into it, but they bought into it like three weeks ahead of time. <laughs> there was no planning, very little marketing. And then we have the door, the, of course, the day came and these people started showing up. Nice. Uh, the most unique one was a couple from Kazakhstan. Wow. And, and they, they were coming to uh, Vegas to celebrate their uh, their kind of honeymoon. They're huge Back to the Future fans. They were dressed in their Back to the Future outfits. They had no idea the event at the plaza was taking place. <laughs> and, and this well, is Vegas. Right. Halloween in Vegas is not for kids. Yeah. Halloween in yeah. Vegas is for adults. It lasts a month. So the fact that they came to Vegas dressed up in Back to the Future as part of the Hollywood on the 21st, that's what people do. And then, oh, my God, it's really at the plaza. And they were just, they were insane. Yeah. Nice. Uh, they couldn't believe it. And and just people just kept coming up and coming up. And, um, we had clusters so I, of dozens of Martys and dozens of Docs, oh, yeah. and, and it was really cool. But, yeah, it wasn't, it, some of it was promotion, but some of it was just people dressed up for Back to the Future Day and were walking around Fremont Street going, hey, you know that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, now, you know what? I'm thinking maybe I need to uh, book a room at the plaza for uh, DeLorean weekend. Um, sure. They'd be happy to do it. Fortunately, the headquarters for DeLorean weekend is roughly three, three, four, five miles off the strip, depending upon where you're staying. So it's real easy to get to. And, of course, parking is free in Vegas. Yeah, they're very good at that. Bob, something with the power windows. Is that something that you've done? Yes, that is. Uh... Which, by the way, I think fantastic idea. Although, again, I'm a purist. I don't want to change anything on the car. Well, I would hold off your statement that you wouldn't want to do it until you actually drive a DeLorean with full-size power windows. The two main complaints uh, of the original consumers that, that were buying DeLoreans were it's underpowered and it's claustrophobic. <laughs> yeah. The main reason it did not get bought by women and realize today 50% of Mustangs and Camaros are bought by women was it was claustrophobic to them and it still is. There are women I know whose husbands have DeLoreans. They will not ride in the car because it's claustrophobic. Wow. And the time machine DeLorean that we made into a time machine. We actually got in a junkyard in New Orleans. It was underwater for six months in Hurricane Hugo. Wow. Yeah, it needed a total resto. Yeah. But uh, cheap enough, uh, we got it for like three grand. And I'm a car nut. I've been playing with cars my whole life. And, and I says, okay, we already have one DeLorean. This is now our second DeLorean. And what's the problems with the DeLorean? No windows and no power. So, aluminum V8 and full-size power windows. It's it's really cool. It took me over six months to engineer them. Uh, but when I did, I published an article in DeLorean World magazine. And about uh, two days after the magazine came out, uh, my phone rings. And uh, I pick it up and I go, hello. And they go, hello, this is John DeLorean. And I'm going, yeah, right. <laughs> he says, no, this really is John DeLorean. Wow. And I say, cool. So what do you, what are you calling about? Windows. How did you do that? Wow. And, and John and I had a fairly lengthy conversation. Um, and he decided to come to Cleveland, uh, for the DeLorean car show because my car was going to be there. It's the only time he ever came to a DeLorean car show and he specifically came to see my car wow. and see the windows. And play with them. He sat in the car and was pressing the button up and down and up and down. Biggest grin on his face. You've seen pictures of John DeLorean. How many times do you ever see him smiling? Yeah. And he, 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 he says, I told my engineers it could be done. They insisted it could never be done. They worked on it for two years and couldn't do it. You did it. You're a damn good engineer. And nice. It, it was to me. It was one of the the happiest moments in his later life. That yes, I knew it could be done, and it it really is. It changes the feel of the car. Whenever I drive that car, and most of the time when I drive it, the windows are down. As you know, it's got excellent uh, aerodynamics. 
Sure. So as a result, when you're driving with the windows down, you don't get a lot of wind noise. And we now have put the full-size power windows into the electric DeLorean, and the one I'm working on now is going to be the third set of full-size power windows. And I wouldn't drive a DeLorean without that. Ryan's, <laughs> of course, is it's, it's our first one, and it's still stock, and he's got the bread box windows and i tolerate being in this car but ryan knows every time i sit in it i go you need full-size power windows <laughs> yeah the degree to which it changes the feel of the car cannot be understated and you know we we have three of these cars with these modifications now and wow. we encourage you to either come out to delorean weekend and, and experience it for yourself we'll take you for a ride in a delorean with a real window and it'll change your perspective on the car for sure wow Hey, do you, Bob, do you remember what uh, issue mag, what issue of that magazine it was in, in DeLorean World? It was, uh, I believe it was December 96. All right. A half dozen articles in, in DeLorean World magazine. Or, actually, it's more than that now. Ryan, Ryan has also published some. some yeah. Yeah, we, we, he and I just co-wrote an article that was in a magazine last year. It was about our electric DeLorean. So. Yeah. Nice. Now I'm even more excited for DeLorean Weekend because I do want to see those windows. I've only seen the pictures. I've seen the video. Very cool. Well, we were the first ones to put an aluminum V8 in a DeLorean. Uh, it's the, the what's known as the Rover V8. It's actually a, a GM V8 from the early 60s. At uh, DCS, we were talking about that, and his uh, one of his engineers um, said DeLorean actually was going to consider putting the Rover V8 in the later model cars. Because uh, that's what's done in England. I mean, the Morgan's got the V8, the, the Rover V8, the Triumph's got the Rover V8, the Rover's got the Rover V8. If you build a V8 car in England and, and Ireland, use a Rover V8. That's what you do. Huh. So, yeah, it would have eventually wound up in later DeLoreans. And it's still a, a great engine. There are a number of companies that specialize in hot-rodding those V8s. And and the one we're we're building right now is going to be a five liter. It's going to be more powerful than the time machine, so it's going to be it's going to be fun. When you put that V8 in, do you have to cut the tub out? You need to make more space in that nope. compartment. Oh, in the rear the rear portion where the distributor goes, you have to cut some of that rear fiberglass out. But that's the the only thing you have to do. And in wow. this one, I'm going to put a um, serpentine belt on and. If I if it all works, there'll be distributorless uh, ignition, nice. and you won't have to, won't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the, the Chevy V8s or the Ford V8s that people have put into their DeLoreans, they all cut that rear fiberglass because the engine's so long. Uh, the Rover V8 is it's uh, 27 and a half inches long, and the Ford and the Chevy V8s are 28 and a half inches long. So it's an their their engines are an inch longer, so they really have to cut it back. Makes a difference. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, that one little inch. And the, and the other cool thing is uh, that the DeLorean has a three-speed automatic, and it's known as a ZF3. The next generation transmission was a ZF4, uh, and those were in, in lots and lots of Porsches. The huh. ZF4 four-speed automatic fits a DeLorean frame. Well, I'm guessing back that it was cost as well. They were. Tr- they already had enough problems trying to keep the cost it down. Didn't exi- oh. It didn't exist when he was building his cars. Oh. But, again, later on, if he had gone into the later 80s production, sure. uh, in, in 88, it would have had a four-speed automatic. Nice. Yeah. Fantastic talking to all you guys. Do you want to cover anything else before we wrap up? I, I would just say that uh, this is what we do at DeLorean Weekend. Our main purpose of the show, there's there's a tech side, but it's a social side. So young people who come, they get to hear all the stories about the DeLorean car, all the stuff about how it's engineered, and we spend an awful lot of time just talking. And, and people just love it. You just get together, hang out, and talk stories. And, and it, it's just a great time. You can certainly check us out at DeLoreanWeekend.com. And we, DeLorean Weekend also has a great Facebook page uh, that Andy helps uh, manage. Uh, and we have a Twitter presence also, so you can find DeLorean Weekend on Twitter. Great. Do you limit registration? Because I know I registered a week ago or so. We, we let anybody register who wants to come and uh, – 
we we do eventually cut it off uh, if we get you know way more people than we can handle. So we'll we'll strategize accordingly. Sure. But uh, you know we can easily accommodate uh, 50 owners and and uh, 20 cars without a problem. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Well, because you know there's like. Tens of thousands of people are going to listen to this, so I don't want to overwhelm you. Well, why, why, why don't we cross that bridge when we come to it? <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah we, we've talked about that as a concept. Uh, and part of the reason we do the show annually is, so if you don't make it this year, you can make it next year. And and, um, sure. and what's nice is a lot of people register, for, but they're in Vegas. They're in Vegas to ha- have fun. So they'll come to one or two events. Yeah. They'll be in town. A lot of them make the barbecue because that's a big car show thing. But a lot of the other stuff they don't come to yeah. because they're in Vegas to have fun. So we we can handle a lot a lot of people, but you know if a thousand people show up that wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> they, they can show up at the plaza though. That's okay. Hey, come to the plaza. Yeah. Has that been confirmed yet? Yes, the plaza is confirmed. Yeah, the plaza is confirmed now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know it's one of those things where. You, you see what you're going to get, and every year uh, it's been a, a larger and larger group, and, and we've been enjoying it and, and accommodating it. So, again, you can come to the days that you want. Some people come to all three days. Some people come to the one or two things that, that look fun to them. It's always a great time where we try and introduce new stuff every year. Uh, we have a party at Millennium Fandom Bar this year, and this is kind of a sci-fi-themed bar. We found that a lot of people that, that come want to stay out late, and some people want to get up early. So if you want to go to Cars and Coffee, if you're an early person, then go to that. If, you, if you're if you a late-night guy and you want to have a party with the <laughs> DeLorean people uh, that goes real late, then, then go to Millennium Fandom Bar. So we're just trying to accommodate everybody's needs and wants. And our, our attitude on this is, look, this is your show. You guys are driving what you want it to be. And on Sunday, the morning, you know, the final morning, we have a breakfast where we all talk about what you would like to see in DeLorean Weekend next year. Fantastic. Thank you so much. This was fantastic to talk to all three of you. I'm looking forward to talking to you again in the future about different topics because it sounds like you are definitely – uh, definitely some people to talk oh. to on the. Oh, the we got lots. We got lots and lots. We of we've barely scratched the surface, man. <laughs> Thanks again, and uh, don't forget DeLoreanWeekend.com and RentDeLorean.com, DeLoreanTalk.com for my site, and DeLoreanDirectory.com. Cool. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks so much, Dave.